Welcome back to another episode of Redirected. I'm your host, Andrew East, and this is a show where we sit down and talk with people about how they made it through some of life's unexpected events. Today, we sit down and talk with Amber Balkin, who is a female race car driver, and Amber's mission is to inspire and motivate others to pursue their dreams, break stereotypes, and have a positive impact on society. And Amber shares her story about how she got into racing in the first place and some of the unique challenges that she's faced being a female in the racing world. And I really enjoyed this conversation. If you guys haven't yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and maybe give the show a rating. It is our goal here to help inspire others to make it through some of life's unexpected events and challenges, whatever those might be. And you doing that really helps us reach that audience. So without further ado, let's enjoy this episode with Amber Balkin. Amber, thank you so much for joining the show today. It's good to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I got to tell you, I want to start off by saying that Sean and I kind of, my wife and I met at uh, the Indy 500 and that's where things kind of kicked off. No so, so racing is near and dear to my heart. It means a lot to me. I'm an indie boy myself. So the Indy 500 was something that we always went to. Anyway, it's great to be talking to you. I'm pumped. Have you been able to kiss the bricks there? I've never kissed the bricks. I have, I, we've been on the track, but I've uh, never never actually gotten down. Have you done it? I have, yep. Oh my I'm gosh. friends with Connor Daly, who is the president's son. And yes. Stepson, I should say. And a few years ago, we were there for a racing conference, and he said to my dad, you want to see the track? We're like, absolutely. So it's actually snowing at that time, too. So we were in a Tahoe going around the track with snow and we're making wakes around the track. Oh my gosh. Indianapolis gets cold in the winter. Wait, Connor Daly is whose stepson? The president of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Oh, I did not know that. So another fun story, Connor and I, we were in sixth grade together and we were locker buddies. No way. And I distinctly remember I was like, we would share, we were buddies and we were talking about what we wanted to do when we grew up. And I was like, I want to play football. And Connor was like, I want to be a professional driver. I was like, you're crazy, dude. You're out of control, but here he is killing it. And uh, it's, it's fun to see what he's done. Um, so where'd you grow up, Amber? So I'm Canadian. I grew up in Winnipeg. I'm actually here now. I live in North Carolina. Okay. Um, my boyfriend is a football player as well. So he plays in the Canadian Football League. And unfortunately, he got injured second day of training camp. So he tore his ACL, LC, and meniscus. So unfortunately, he's out for the rest of the season. Dang. So he's doing treatment here. So I came to visit him for a little bit until he's a little bit more healed up to come back to North Carolina with me. Is he Canadian as well? He is. Yeah, we actually went to the same high school. And we've only been together for two years, but we've known each other for like 11 years. So wow, unique story for sure. That's why I actually love following you and Sean. Sean's so cool, by the way. Like I've always thought she's such a badass, but yeah, she's... Um, you guys really remind me of me and my boyfriend. So uh, wow, guys, it's cool. We might be friends after this. Who knows? <laughs> what position is he? Defensive end. Okay. Oh, nice. Must be a big boy. He is. He's a big guy. He's like 6'5", 240. <laughs> Dang. That's great. He probably doesn't respect long snappers that much, but you know, um, that, I, that's okay. I feel like <laughs> we respect each other on some, some level, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're the first Canadian to be on the show too. So really? this that's is, awesome. this is big. This is really huge. I understand you come from a racing family. I do. Yes. So I grew up in Canada where racing really isn't popular at all, mm -hmm. but my mom grew up in a racing family and my dad grew up racing. So my parents actually met at the racetrack. I've been going to the racetrack since I was literally in my mother's belly. 
Wow. And when I was born, it was, I was born into it and I loved it. I knew I wanted to do it from day one. All my cousins did it. And as a little girl, I just looked up to my cousins racing go-karts and I wanted to be like them and race go-karts. And I actually had begged my dad for a long time to let me race go-karts and he didn't want me to because it costs a lot of money. There's a huge time commitment to it. And you know, it's just like anything, if you're going to go after something, you kind of got to be all in if you want to do it right. And so he kept saying, no, no, no. I guess the safety aspect as well, <laughs> racing cars, but um, I just, I wanted to so bad. And he kept saying, no, no, no. And then finally at 10 years old, my mom said, you know, my dad didn't let me race because I was a girl and like, we're not going to do that to our daughter too. And so he said, okay, you can go racing, but there's some stipulations. And that is you have to not only pay for the go-kart yourself, you have to work on it. And basically you got to do it on your own. I'll, I'll be by your side to support you, but this is what you got to do. And that was 17 years ago. That's kind of been my life story is I've had to work really, really hard for everything. And I come from a family that didn't give me the benefit of the doubt when it came to finances. When most people in my position, most race car drivers come from really wealthy families because it's such an expensive sport. But that wasn't the case for me. So I always kind of felt like I was behind the eight ball all the time with trying to find the funding to make it happen. But at the same time, this was my love and passion. I wasn't going to let that stop me from going after it. So I got a question for you. Love that story, by the way. I have, I guess, realized that racers do usually come from either a lineage of other racers or from a lot of money. Is that because that there's a ton of money in racing or because racing is expensive? You know what I'm saying? Like, which is the yeah, result? That's of, yeah. Good, maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. For me, I think... It was just growing up in a racing family. That's all I knew. Like even mm -hmm. when I wasn't racing, I'd be with my dad watching him race on mm -hmm. weekends instead of hanging out with friends at school, you know? So it, for me, it was just all I knew and all I wanted to know. Like I just loved it so much. So there are drivers who have parents that were race car drivers, but they want to do something else. Right. Uh, but the thing is, it does cost a lot of money to do, especially when you want to transition from a hobby to career. Mm -hmm. So my entire family were, they were professional race car drivers but they still had a nine to five job from monday to friday and they raced on weekends for fun you know they might make a tiny bit of money at it but uh, they got just enough money to be able to race on weekends and then they'd go back to their job where i wanted to make racing a career and i was the first in the family to go from dirt track racing where we grew up that's how we raced to switching over to nascar side the pavement side which is a completely different industry we're still going around in circles but now it's more of a business than something fun we get to do on weekends and crack a beer after yeah <laughs> what is it about racing that you love so much it, there's a few things for me the number one thing is just the feeling it gets to me it's like a escape from reality you know hopping in the car the adrenaline rush the feeling of being in your own little world and nothing you're focused on nothing but either passing the car in front of you or hitting your marks or being the best and fastest you can be and I have a little bit of ADD when I'm not racing so it's like the one area that I can really go in and it focus and I'm in my own world and I'm, I just feel like a different person when I'm have my race suit on and in my car and it's just an escape from reality and as a teenage girl school sucked you know bullying and all that kind of stuff and to be able to go to the races and put on a helmet and strap in a car and not only do something I loved doing but I ended up being good at it mm -hmm. it gave me that confidence that I was kind of lacking before and like I said it was just an escape nothing else matters when I'm in the car but just getting to race so that's definitely the number one thing is just the feeling that I get and two 
now having done this for so long and realizing what kind of platform it provides for me as a female and as a Canadian and as kind of the underdog that doesn't come from money. That's the main reason why I haven't quit, even though I went through a lot of hard times in it is because I want to show people that you don't necessarily need all the tools in the toolbox to make your dreams become a reality. You just got to work really hard. So I hope to make it to the top of NASCAR one day and just show people that if you work really hard, you can get there. So I hope that racing is my platform to inspire and empower other people. Wow, what a great perspective. I want to talk about the demeanor that racers have because I feel like you have to be a little bit insane. So like when you talk, are most racers adrenaline junkies? What are they like when you're interacting with them? I would say so for sure. Like I myself am definitely an adrenaline junkie. Like I like to live life on the edge. I like to feel that like feeling. I would say a little a little bit crazy, especially when I first started racing, I raced on dirt and I raced these things called sprint cars. So they're 950 horsepower engines with 1300 pound cars, which is an insane engine to car like weight ratio. And they're so fast and we're just ripping around these like right on the high side, flipping. And I think uh, like I had grown men walk up to me and say girl you got some balls you got some big balls (laughs) and that that was but I look back at now I'm like now that I'm a little older I don't know if I'd still have the balls to do that like I think stock car racing is a little bit safer but yeah I think it really just comes down to it's all I know I just love it so much and the danger aspect of it just kind of gets thrown away you know I'm sure you can relate with football you know there's a danger aspect to it but when you love to do it that much you just don't really think about it Yeah, I was about to say, I guess there's a little overlap between football and racing in the sense that you know you're kind of putting yourself in harm's way, but the stakes in racing just seem a little higher because the speed is insane that you guys get to. You said that stock car is safer than sprint? I believe so. I think open wheel cars in general, so Indy cars is considered open wheel car. Mm -hmm. There's room for tire hops and they're so light, they flip easily. I think they're a lot more dangerous. I think NASCARs or stock cars have a little bit safer of an aspect to them. Also, the safety equipment nowadays has come so far that I actually had a pretty bad wreck a couple of weeks ago in California. I crashed straight into the wall and my neck was a little bit sore the next day. But considering the impact that was made and the, how damaged the car was, I was completely fine. Wow. I'm glad you're okay. It's just kind of part of it, you know? Yeah. Happen, but unfortunately, it's kind of inevitable in racing. Yeah. So you mentioned that you had to work on the car yourself and pay for it yourself when you this, this was like a condition that your dad put on your racing career. I was listening to an interview <laughs> where you were talking about you had to clean the bearings and check the stager. And I was dying laughing because I was like, I have no idea what this means. I know nothing. I don't know that much about cars. Like I know pistons. I know the axle, you know, the, yeah. the basic things. What is a stager? So stager is the difference in circumference between the left rear and the right rear. It can also be the fronts as well, but typically more in a, well, in a stock car, I guess it'd be the fronts and backs, but in a sprint car, it's more so the rears. So think of a red solo cup. Mm-hmm. Like if you just put it on the table and flick it, it'll go around in a circle, right? Right, right, right. The reason it does that is because one side of it is bigger than the other side. Mm-hmm. So stagger is the difference between the circumference of the left and the right. Gotcha. So the more stagger a car has, the easier it's going to turn into a corner. The less stagger it has, the more tight it's going to feel. So the it, it'll feel like the car is having a harder time turning. That's what tight means in driving, huh? Yeah. But does it also mean that it's like, say you're at the Indy 500 where the straightaways are pretty long. Does that mean it's harder to straighten that out when the stagger is bigger? Definitely. If you have too much stagger, it might be harder to hold the wheel straight because the wheel or the car is naturally going to want to turn to the left. 
Very interesting. That's why it's also so important for driver communication with your crew because you need to be able to relay the information of what the car is doing to your crew so that they can make the proper adjustments so that the car feels more comfortable for you so you can in turn be faster. So that's amazing. And my favorite part of when I go to a race is to put on like the the pit headphones so you can hear the radios uh, just because it adds such a different aspect. And even if you know nothing, it's cool to hear how everything is planned out and a part of the strategy. Well, as much as you can until the unpredictable happens. But from like a layman's perspective, I view like a driver as it's cool to hear you talk about it because it's, I think there's a misconception out there that like, oh, well, every team is comprised of at the Indy 500, like the big races, you have this whole pit crew who's seems to be doing a lot of the work as far as the nuts and the bolts of the things and the driver is just out here like turning the wheel. What is that like at, at different levels and how much involvement do you have as a driver in how the car operates? Yeah, so it really all depends in what level of racing you're at and your involvement in it. Mm-hmm. So when I race, I started in go-karts, went to mini sprints, then sprint cars, and then onto the pavement side in the lower divisions of NASCAR. So when I raced dirt, I worked on my own car every night, like every day, because I didn't have a crew to come in. I I had people that helped me. Actually, my grandpa was a crew chief of mine for a year. That was really cool. But you got to work on it yourself. You don't, it's, you just got to do it. Once you get up to the higher end, you have an entire team that you have sponsors backing that are helping for their salaries. And you more so show up and race. So what you're seeing at the Indy 500 is basically a sponsor comes along and they cover all the costs of the team. So that includes like the crew chiefs, the tire changers, the fuel men, the engineers, the driver, they cover all the expenses. And then the driver shows up with their safety equipment and says, I'm ready to race. Now there's drivers that are in the shop still every day during the week with their crew, learning about the cars, working on the cars, telling them what they think. And then there's drivers that just come show up, hop in, hop out. So it it really depends on the individual. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say though, me personally, in dirt track racing, I worked on the cars a lot more. Now on pavement, these are different cars. I'm not as knowledgeable with them. I'm, every time I do race for a team, though, I will go in and, and ask questions and try to learn more about the car, but mm-hmm. I'm not as hands-on as I was previously. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah, that, that was a great answer. Thank you for, for dumbing it down for me. So the show's all about people working through life's difficulties and a big thing for you. And I think anybody who has ever turned on racing on a Sunday or on any weekend has noticed that there's not a lot of female drivers. I read that you at one point were going into a circuit or a race with an all-female team, which is very cool. And you seem to be an advocate for that. Can you talk about how being a female has changed your trajectory in racing, the hurdles that that's presented and how you've worked through those? Yeah, you know, I think being a female in racing, there obviously aren't a ton of us, but there's definitely more and more coming, which mm-hmm. excites me. I think it's amazing that I'm in a sport that I can compete against men at the same level. Yeah. Like, I really feel blessed to be able to compete in racing because it's one of the very, very, very few sports that women and men can compete at the same level. Like that is so cool. So I personally feel honored to get to do it. There's definitely been hurdles and struggles in the past. I mean, guys race you different for sure. It's undoubtable. And there are people that still don't believe that women should be behind the wheel at all. You know, especially when you wear dresses and makeup and eyelashes and you know, you're certain they 
think you should look a certain way or be a certain way because you're a race car driver. And I think that's been more of the struggle than anything is people telling me that I need to look or be a certain way just because of my career title. Well, it's like, I'm not going to stop being who I am just because I, I race cars as well. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm off the track, I'm Amber, I'm a girlfriend, I'm girly, I'm this is who I am. It doesn't mean I should turn into a tomboy just because I'm in a masculine sport. Mm. And so I think that's kind of been the annoyance of just let me be who I am. As long as I get it done when I'm behind the wheel and, and winning races and that's all that matters. That's my goal is still to win races just like every other guy out there. I want it just as bad, if not more than every guy out there. And when I put on the helmet, you can't tell if I'm wearing makeup. You can't tell if I'm a good girl. The race car knows no gender. They just know they got a driver in it. So I really try to put the female stuff to the back and not worry about it and just say, we're, you know, we're the same. We're all going out here to win. I try to not think about it. It, it does come up once in a while, but I think what earns the respect from other drivers is good results. So I'd go out there and just try to be the best driver I can be. That's great. I'm trying to think of another sport where there is co-ed competition at the highest level. And I can't think, is there? I can't think of any either. Like even some of the random Olympic sports, I'm trying to think. That is so cool and unique. I've never, I've never had that thought, but fantastic. That's really, really cool. And for you to be a part of that movement and a part of that is great. I want to stop for a second and give a shout out to Himalaya. Himalaya is my favorite app to listen to podcasts on. And not only do they have a truly beautiful interface, They also have great search and discover features to help you find new shows. And then they also have some really creative and unique ways for you to help support creators and interact with those creators. So thank you, Himalaya. Be sure to check them out and follow me if you get the chance. I was just having a discussion with somebody about this whole, the U.S. Women's National Team, the payment differential. Do you feel like from a sponsor standpoint, it's been harder for you to get equal pay as men? I don't think that's necessarily been something that I've had to deal with as far as equal pay. Mm-hmm. It, for me, it's just in general, the sport, finding a sponsor, finding someone to back you is extremely difficult. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So it, it's not a gender thing at that point. It's just no matter who you are, it's really, really difficult to find the funding to do it. Like yeah. I said previously, most people in my position or most people that want to be an NASCAR, want to be an IndyCar, they come from really, really wealthy family or their uncle owns a really big corporate yeah. company or something or other. So to not come from that money and come from dirt track racing and come be Canadian. Honestly, I think if anything, being Canadians hurt me more than <laughs> American companies are like, well, you're Canadian. Why don't we just sponsor one of our own? And then Canadian companies want to sponsor me and they go, Oh, well you only race in the U S so that doesn't really work for us. So interesting. Again, it's, I don't think it's so much been a gender thing, but just kind of not coming up in the way that most drivers in my position do. Hats off to the sport of racing for the gender um, oh, right. That's inequality right. not being there. You, I feel like to some extent, and I think your website mentions this, have attacked the sponsor issue by leveraging your social media and you've done a great job with that. How has social media played a role in your career? It's played a huge role in my career. I really don't think I would be where I am today without it. I learned at a young age that racing in Canada and the racing not being very popular there, I need to do something different to get the attention of 
the big teams in the US. So I utilized my social media. I had a YouTube channel. I started doing some videos just on dirt track racing. Then I started doing a little bit of reporting where I'd interviewed different drivers. And really, anytime I won, I make sure I posted it on every platform I could to get the attention of the people in the States. And it worked. The NASCAR diversity program reached out to me, saw my success that I had had. And if it wasn't for the NASCAR diversity program reaching out to me, I probably wouldn't have even ever assumed that NASCAR would be a possibility for me. Mm. Um, I went to school, I did kind of the normal thing you do, go to college, and I did my two-year degree, and after that I went to university, and I, after about two weeks in, I dropped out and had my aha moment and realized I just wanted to race cars. Mm. So... Again, social media, without it, I don't think I'd be where I am because it's allowed me to connect to people in the States. It's allowed me to open my mind to all the different possibilities of me as a driver going from a hobby to now a career. So the two-year degree, you have your business degree. Is that is that that? Yeah, it's a two-year oh, degree. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. Has you feel like that's helped prepare you for the sponsorship side of things or just approaching the racing in general? Definitely. Even though I'm a race car driver, I like to think of myself more as a businesswoman or Mm -hmm. entrepreneur because though I get to be on the racetrack and drive, I spend most of my time looking for money to do that. So Mm -hmm. that I'm constantly in communication with different companies and different CEOs, people to basically help solve their marketing and advertising problems to fit in with my racing. So I just had a meeting yesterday and I was asking what their goals were and trying to figure out what type of marketing strategy we can work together to integrate my racing and their company so it can be mutually beneficial. So again, I think of myself just as much as like a marketing manager or entrepreneur as I do a race car driver because I'm constantly trying to figure out how I can provide a return on investment to these companies, but then also get to race myself. Yeah. Wow. What a cool challenge. So you were the first female to win a track championship. Is that right? In Canada, yeah. And the first Canadian to reach a NASCAR series. Did I, am I saying that right? No, it's okay. okay. <laughs> to win a NASCAR sanctuary. Okay, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Struggle through that. You have a lot of accomplishments, but I'm curious which of these accomplishments you're most proud of. And it could be related to racing. It could be your academics, whatever it is. Yeah. Out of the races I've won, the championships I've won, everything like that, the thing I'm most proud of is getting as far as I have with the small amount of resources that I've been handed or given. Mm. Getting this far has been so difficult, but I'm so thankful for it because it's built me into the woman I am today and I've learned so much and there's so many things I wouldn't have otherwise known how to do if I didn't take this hard road. And I'm maybe 1% of what I wanted to accomplish or where I want to be. Like I have really high expectations for myself. But the fact that I've made it this far without family funding, without the rich husband or anything like that, the fact that I've made it this far on my own with just the help of sponsors that I've went and gotten on my own, that's what I'm most proud of just because I've known how difficult it is. Yeah, that's great. I always love hearing about the team that surrounds people to help them reach success. Who would you say is on your team, whether it's your parents, your boyfriend, coworkers, who has helped you achieve this level of success? One is sponsors. I wouldn't be where I am without the sponsors that have helped Mm -hmm. me because they're the ones that get me on the track and being on the track 
you know, then I can, I'm a racer and I can use my influence to empower other people. So the sponsors, I think is number one. Number two, even though my parents didn't financially support me, they morally supported me. And my mom is my biggest fan. And my dad and I have had our ups and downs, but we always come back together. We're a lot alike, which can be good and bad. And my boyfriend, my boyfriend's so supportive. And it's been awesome because anytime I want to quit, he'll tell me, come on, you know, you don't want to quit. Like you got this. And the fact that he's an athlete as well, our mindset is always on the same page. Like he really understands me. If I have a good race or bad race, he knows how to deal with me. Just if he has a good game or bad game, I know how to deal with that as well. So it's, it's awesome to have him by my side and in my corner and constantly supporting me and cheering me on. That's great. Do you guys work out together? You and your boyfriend? Yeah, we do. What type of workouts do you do as a racer? Um, so I actually do a lot of football workouts. I have a trainer in North Carolina as well, and they're pretty much all football workouts because it's a lot of concussion prevention. So a lot of like neck workouts, core stability, endurance, strength. It, it's a lot of the same stuff. He's way more hardcore than me. I'm not going to lie. He's <laughs> like way heavier. He's double the size of me. But um, yeah, for the most, we don't work out every day together, but we do work out together quite a bit. Yeah, Sean and I cannot work out together. It gets, really? Yeah, we, we, we start getting at each other's throats and it never ends well. But he'll get at me, he'll be like, Oh, I'll do this, do this. I'll be like, Don't tell me, I know what to do. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a lot more knowledgeable than me when it comes to working out. So he's always just trying to help me, but sometimes I just kind of want to do what I set out to do. <laughs> yeah. One thing that always takes me back is racing is physically taxing, right? Like there's, you sweat a lot and it's hard on your muscles. In what ways is your body fatigued after a race? My entire body's fatigued, especially the long races where, you know, we can be in the car for a few hours and it's mentally draining because you have to stay completely focused that entire time. Oh, wow. Marks. And there's no breaks. There's no timeouts. You know, you, you get a 13 second pit stop, Amber. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) You still got to be on. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's very mentally taxing and physically taxing. You know, I think we burn like over 2000 calories in a race and shoot is pretty tight to begin with. And after the race, it's big because I lose about five pounds worth of water weight. And it's pretty much all the muscles you can think of, like even the glutes because of pressing the pedals and the arms, everything. For me, the thing that I struggle with most is the neck. My neck muscles just aren't as, you know, big or developed, I'd say, as most men. So fighting the G-forces, but I actually spent the money and got a really expensive lighter helmet for that. And that's helped a little bit. Wow. But yeah, the the G forces are pretty crazy when you know you're driving, you're trying to keep everything in place, but you also are still trying to keep your neck up. Oh, that's crazy for hours. Right. And if you get tired, if you get physically tired, it makes you mentally tired and it ruins your concentration. So it's just kind of a big circle. You got to make sure you're physically there and you're mentally there. And if one of those two things aren't there, then your performance is not at its peak. Are racers athletes? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Good. (laughs) I was curious. I've always been curious. I I agree with you, but I just didn't know if that's the verbiage used within the racing community. So I'm glad to hear this. 100% think it is. We are athletes. I know we're athletes because I put my body through that. And Mm -hmm. um, 
I feel like I just ran a 30 mile marathon afterwards. Like I'm just spent like I'm done after. Yeah. So I was watching clips of you signing autographs to a bunch of little girls after a race. You seem to have a great voice for girls who might be wanting to do what you want to do. What is the message that you share with them to inspire them? I just really want all the younger ladies, people my age, I want everyone to know that anything's possible. And if you're willing to put in the work, you can make your dreams happen. And I really think you should just do what makes you happy and do what you want to do and what makes you feel fulfilled and, and excited and just to reach your full potential. You know, it's just anything's possible and just go after it. That's great. Are you a big consumer of motivational content yourself? Like, yeah, I saw you mentioned Gary V in one of your posts. Yeah, I love Gary Vee. I love Andy Priscilla. I've got the chance to meet him. I'm actually sponsored by First Form, one of his companies, which is awesome. And I definitely consume I'd say their content more than anyone else's. Lewis House is another one. But mm-hmm. there was a year where I lost sponsorship and I was kind of done wrong by a car owner. And I went into deep depression and I would just couldn't get out of bed. I was, it was bad. And I started listening to Andy Frisilla and started listening to his podcasts. And at that time he was using Periscope and started reading motivational books and self-help books. And that really helped me get out of it. And now anytime if I feel that I'm getting my flow again, that's kind of what I turn to. And I just believe that you need to always keep around positive people and positive energy and in good things. And I think consuming that kind of content helps. Yeah. I am pumped that you have a YouTube channel. I feel like YouTube is such an awesome platform. I would love to see. I'm an avid K1 speed racer. I don't know if you've ever been to a K1 track, have you? Yeah. yeah. I would love to see like a walkthrough of each track and how you can conquer it. So just an idea. I would definitely watch. There's one in Fishers, Indiana, which we go to like, I mean, I'll, I'll go there for hours and just go around, try to beat my time. It's such an awesome challenge to like try to shave off a 10th of a second. And that oh. actually matters at the end of the day. I think that's another reason why I love racing so much because there's always different tracks to go to. There's always different circumstances. So you're constantly being challenged and there's so much that's out of your control. Mm-hmm. So it, it never gets boring. You know, every race is a new adventure you're constantly trying to get faster even if you win you're still like oh like could i got another 10 quicker out of there like could i get yeah. another lead? like there's always some type of challenge and i think that's what i like about it yeah okay so what goals do you have now for your career so my goal is for the next year to land a big sponsor which i think i'm really close to i've been working with one company for a little bit now and and they seem like they're they're on board for the next couple of years so i would be raising the arca series which is a extension off of nascar we still run at the same tracks but it's definitely considered a development series so we'd still be racing at daytona talladega cans really cool big tracks and most of the races are the same weekend as the cup nascar cup series that you see on sundays so it's a really good transitional series to get to the top level and i get to experience drafting and pit stops and everything like that where lately i've more just done the shorter tracks Hmm. that's my experience so that's my two-year plan my five-year plan is to be in the cup series nice So how does it work? So you have to get a sponsor that pays for your car and your crew and all the expenses, the race entrance, whatever. And then, then you have to show up and qualify after that. Is that right? No, essentially you only need a 
funding to do it. Really? Um, they can turn, if you're a crappy race car driver, they can turn you away for sure. But, you know, I hope that my resume is good enough for the teams that I want to be on, which I've discussed with them and, and it's all good there. But yeah, it, it really comes down to the funding. So I need to be able to bring the funding and the team says, okay, like we're good to go. And that's how it happens. <laughs> Do you have a special license as a race car driver, Amber? We have NASCAR licenses. Yeah. Really? But you can not have a driver's license and have a NASCAR license. That seems, uh, that so seems. That, yeah, it's actually <laughs> I had a few many speeding tickets and actually lost my driver's license. Oh. But I was still racing cars. <laughs> so Connor Daly is notorious for not being that good of a of a normal car driver. <laughs> for his life whenever he's in the car with me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> driver ever. That's so funny. What are three things that you've learned over your experience that you feel like the audience might be able to learn from? I think number one is keeping a positive mindset and perspective in life to gain your happiness. I think that it's really easy to get down on your life down on yourself and it's really all about perspective the way that you look at things and you need to have that positive mindset that's why I'm always listening and consuming that content that we talked about because mm -hmm. you just need to keep yourself on that you know high vibrations kind of feeling so yeah I think mindset and perspective is huge that's what I've learned definitely over the last I'd say five years or so I think two is not falling into destination happiness where you know Destination happiness is essentially, oh, I'll be happy once I, I'm there or I'll be happy once I'm racing for that team or living in that house or dating that person. I think it really starts with yourself and you need to be learn to be happy with what you have, who you are, really everything. Just be grateful for what you have now to attract those bigger and better things into your life. And I really, really fell into that. You know, I was like, oh, I'll be happy when I win this race. Or it was almost like I wouldn't let myself be happy if I until I was there. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that's just not the way that you live life. And things can change so abruptly in life that if you have that mindset, it's, it's not going to be an easy road. That's for sure. Yeah, this is something I, I've I've spoken on before, but it is it's such an interesting balance as an athlete to not get on this treadmill of of goals where it's like you know starting out when you're a ten year old girl you probably just wanted to like your first paycheck was the goal or like just whatever to get your first win, but then you get that to get to that point and you set the bar higher, which is necessary. Like you need to always be aiming for more and maintaining that ambition, but don't get caught up in like having reaching the next point as determining your happiness. So I think that's a, a crucial point. Adding to that, there's nothing wrong with having goals. I think having goals is awesome. It's good to have something to strive towards, but mm -hmm. it's just keeping that, I guess, goes back to perspective of you need to learn to be happy with and grateful for what you have instead of chasing it. Yeah. 100% agree. I think the third thing would be, it's simple, but just do what makes you happy. It took me a little bit to figure that out and it, cause it was really scary going after this big dream, but I'm really happy that I did. There's been a lot of struggles, but I think you just really need to go after what makes you happy and what's going to make you feel fulfilled and not care what others say or think, because there's a lot of people that thought that I was crazy for trying to go after this big dream. And a lot of people online now that talk so much crap and yep. um, at the end of the day, you just kind of got to ignore them and do what makes you happy, do what's best for you as an individual. That's great. Amber, I'm excited for what's next for you. I feel like big things are, 
are in store. And I admire your perseverance. I admire your positive attitude. It's something that, you know, I don't know how much you know about my story, but just like chipping away at the NFL for five years and never actually really making a living from it. And then ultimately, yeah, it works out. And even if it doesn't, I think good things happen. So that's been my story. The last five years, I've put everything into racing and, and it hasn't worked out as fast or as great as I, or as easy as I'd like to do, but yeah. I'm giving up because it's my dream and I want to go for it. And like a lot of other great things have came to me in the meantime, which I'm sure you can relate to. And on that note, I am part of a TV show coming up in a few weeks. Um, it's called Racing Wives. I'm not the racing wife myself, but I have a business relationship with Samantha Bush, who is Kyle Bush's wife, a NASCAR driver. And so myself and my boyfriend are on the show and it you get a little insight as to what it's like for me to come into this racing world and try to make a name for myself in it. And the long distance relationship being two athletes and how we make that work. And so that airs August 2nd on CMT if anyone wants to tune in. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Thank you for telling us about it. Amber, thank you for joining the show and I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show and say hi to your lovely wife for me because I'm a big fan of her. She's awesome. All right. Will do. <laughs> thank you. If you haven't yet, please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps the show out. And um, I love having a new audience. I love hearing what you guys think. And I love having you come back every single week.